it took me a long time. It took me to turn 30 years old to really tap into who I was as a person, to affirm who I wanted to be, to address um, a lot of my past issues and process the things that I've been through. All right, you got you got to record, Joe. Yep. All right, so. All right, good morning again. I see some familiar faces from the first episode. My name is Dan Terrell, also known as Ranso. I'm from Hustle Academy. Normally, Hustle Academy, you more so will see us talking about stock or entrepreneurship. But in this case, I love to talk about mental health as it relates to entrepreneurship, being a creator, or just, you know, trying to progress in life, you know, because it's, it's not the easiest route when you're trying to do something different or do something on your own. So... Uh, I'll let today's guest take over, give herself the proper introduction because I don't want to mess it up. <laughs> so uh, let's go from there. Good morning, everyone. My name is Tamika Denson, and I am a therapist. Um, I have a bachelor's degree in psychology, and I have a master's degree in clinical social work. Um, right now, I do practice in um, private practice, so I do take clients, you know, that just wants to come in and get receive help, and I also provide um, mental health counseling at Carroll City uh, Senior High School. All right, and I always ask people especially people who go to college, what made you get into your field? Was it something that was introduced to you first um, and you grew to love, or was it something that was already a passion? That is a great question. Um, honestly speaking, uh, I took a – I was in a magnet program at Miami Central Senior High School um, for computer science. Uh, I love computers. I love science. But I had a, a AP psychology course, and um, it blew my mind. My teacher, Mr. Hessian, was, like, the best teacher ever. Um, it was – I learned so much about, like, human behavior and just how humans do what they do. And I was so intrigued, and I was like, hey, I want to do something like this. I want to learn more about the human brain. And that was the start of, like, my journey to where I am today. Okay, because, you know, I think a lot of people, especially, you know, from our background, we, we, we down to get out of our situation, and we look at those pamphlets at numbers first. You know, okay, this job makes this amount, this job makes this amount. And then you get there and you realize, like, you're a person with a specific set of skills that's in your DNA, mm -hmm. and you just pick the job based on numbers that you can't function at. So I think it's important that people understand, like, you should love what you're doing. Yes, um, I agree with that. Um, for for starters, you can make a lot of money in my field because that is the misconception that you cannot make a lot of money. You can't. It depends on you, who you are as a person. Are you an entrepreneur or are you just going to go work at a nonprofit? That is like key. You have to know who you are and what you want. Um, I think that money doesn't really matter to me because happiness is first for me. My mental health is first, and I really, really strive to, like, love what I do. Like, it doesn't feel like work when I'm doing what I'm doing. What were some of the adversities you faced on your journey from you making a decision of getting in this field to now? If I'm keeping it 100 um, most therapists doesn't look like me. I think now mental health is in the forefront and now we're all focusing on our mental health, but mental health been important. And I think that, um, my mate, the biggest adversity I faced was I'm a black female from an urban, you know, location. 
I don't know. I didn't know a therapist. Like, I didn't know a therapist um, personally. I only seen them on TV, and they all were white women, if I'm being honest. Um, that was one of them. Another thing is nobody understood my friends and family. They're like, you want to be... First, it was a psychologist. They was like, you want to be a psychologist? I've never seen a black psychologist. And then it was like, you want to be a shrink? That's weird. So actually getting my friends and family to understand what I wanted to do was a big challenge for me because they didn't understand it because we didn't know what it looked like in our community. And that's unfortunate for us because it speaks to some of the bottlenecks we face, you know, just coming up. Like um, I always say um, my interest in science and psychology and, and a lot of those things, the schools we went to, I went to Northern Middle. You know, um, they had an art program for sure, but it didn't nurture those fields. So as you move forward, you get more um, influences on being a county worker. Yep. Or jobs you know, with benefits. Of course, we all play <laughs> sports. We all, you know, we all love rap. So somebody done wrote a verse in here at, at one point, you know, but we don't get exposure. And when you try to get exposure, we actually meet adversity from some of the ones we love. So just. Can you speak a little bit more on navigating, you know, having to be in school, having to pay for school, having to do homework, and the people you love the most may not necessarily understand why you're going down that path? Um, I think that people really, um, people only do things at their level of understanding, and a lot of people don't have the capacity to think outside of the box. So when you're doing something that looks different, it, 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 it bothers people because they're not used to that and they're used to th they're used to things being a certain way. So when you start when you start moving different, it, it starts to, you know, uh, bring attention to you. But I think that um, the most important part of that is just to stand true to who you are, being authentic and actually just following your your dreams and your steps. Like when you talked about science. If I'm being transparent, when I was in the ninth grade, I was in the I was on the science team, and I actually competed in the science bowl. And all of my friends was like, "You are so weird." And they was like, "How could you be like this one, you know, cool, popular person that loves to dress and you know, you know, get fly, and you are on the science team?" And I'm like, "That's just something that I love to do, and I'm gonna do it. That's who I am." So you just gotta stay true to who you are and follow your own path. It's funny because it's, it's always a few of us like sprinkled in the schools where we're like the cool kid and you're expected to be this way. And it's like, nah, I'm a nerd. You know, I'm, I, I have the same interests as the other people, but I go home and I watch Discovery Channel more than MTV. I'm watching the History Channel. Um, what got you, I think, just from a personal standpoint of just being interested yourself into like, I guess, the sciences? Um, just, I don't know. I've always been a different kid. Like I am very different from everybody in my family, which my little sister is actually a nurse. So she likes science too. We've just been different. I think like just, I love to read. I've always wanted to understand and find out new things. And also like science is like reality. Like nothing exists without science. Like the way that our brains and bodies are made up is just so mind blowing to me. And I've just always been into reading and learning things different that nobody is, you know, teaching me because I got to do what I need to do for myself. And that just like, I'm the oldest child and my mom had me very young. So early on, I realized that, hey, I got to be an independent person. I have to like discover and learn things, you know, that, that I want to do or that interests me. 
what what school did you go to and how was your college experience so um undergrad i went to bethune cookman university um the great bethune cookman <laughs> university um it's an hbcu that experience was amazing because i was nurtured and the the staff knew me it was a very comfortable situation and a lot of my professors um they actually like um they they gave a lot to me. Like they they were there. They protected me. They taught me so much stuff. They they really poured into who I was as a person. And that's a good thing about going to a small university like this one here. Like you get to know really the people. And for graduate school, I went to um, Florida International University. I went to FIU, which was good because I was home. But I can say that the program was pretty hard. The program was pretty hard, but I made it through. On campus, I think everybody deals with something. Mm-hmm. But everybody's experience is different. What were some of the, and I, and I don't want to make things more serious than, than they were, but what were some of the issues you faced as just being on campus, you're away from everybody, you're by yourself? I'm going to be completely honest with you. Um, when I was in undergraduate school, there was a lot, uh, we had a lot of stuff going on, like me, my friends, and we didn't know how to identify identify these things because mental health was not like how it is now it's so easy to google or talk to somebody and there's so many resources we didn't have that um i did have a lot of depression when i was in um undergrad and i didn't know that i was depressed but when i look back and i look at the things that i was doing and the symptoms that i had it was depression and a lot of it came from me being away from my mom and my family because I'm the most responsible person in my house. Mm. And just being, leaving them really had me sad because Mm. I'm the person that did everything for my family. And it was a really a hard time just learning how to understand that I need to do what I have to do and I'll get back to them. And, And like I tell one of my clients right now, she's 18 years old and she's having a problem with wanting to go away because of, you know, she's really sad. She wants to go away, but she is like me. She's responsible for her family. And I told her, when you get back, they'll be just fine. When I got back back, back to my family, everybody was still alive. Right. So I did suffer a lot of depression, and I didn't really talk about it because I didn't understand it, and I didn't want to be judged. Right. So I kind of went through the same phase, and I think for, like, some of the people who are, quote, unquote, stronger mm-hmm. stronger will or resilient resilient naturally as a human we're supposed to be um more on the resilient side we're supposed to be okay with trial and error that includes failing society doesn't make let us feel that failure is okay which is a part of the process luckily for you 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 can identify depression but you knew it was something to fix you probably are fixing yeah. And said, let me keep seeing what it takes to fix this. And then you stumbled across the fact that, wow, I'm depressed, you know? Mm-hmm. Where did you go from there? Um, honestly speaking, it took me a long time. It took me to turn 30 years old to really tap into who I was as a person, to affirm who I wanted to be, to address um, a lot of my past issues and process the things that I've been through. When you have these symptoms and you don't deal with them, you may be able to function in your daily life, but eventually they're gonna they're gonna pop up, right. and you're not gonna understand why is this happening to me right now. I went through that when I was 15, but if you don't process these things and heal from these things, they're gonna show up in your life. Um, I know when I went through that same phase, I had physical symptoms, which 
was the trickiest part because I would um, have a loss of appetite. I was getting migraines. I couldn't eat. I was uh, I had an insomnia. And I would, of course, the avoidance part that you don't catch on to until yep. it, it's bad. So I would read about all my symptoms and they would go to depression. I would kind of chuckle them off, like almost in the like black people don't get depression yep. type of, and go to the next website. And I just kept let, leading me there. And that's when I started to take it a little bit more serious. Um, I know some of the practices I implemented immediately was um, breathing practices, meditation, uh, not yoga at that point yet. But just reading up on more holistic um, op- options because I didn't use any medication. Did you coach yourself through your depression? Did you get a therapist? Um, if I'm being honest, in the beginning, but see, you see how you had those resources. Google was not as fluent at it as it is right now. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't able to like back in my days, like you couldn't just Google something and a lot so much information would right. come up because now anybody can put stuff on Google. information um it wasn't that simple and the internet wasn't that simple wi-fi wasn't like it is now we Mm -hmm. had to use like school computers so i didn't have those exact resources but i will say that i've been practicing yoga for a a long time yoga actually i was introduced when i was in the 10th grade to yoga but i didn't practice it but it came back to me so i did start practicing mindfulness and yoga which was a big big help for me and i've actually saw a therapist right before i graduated from grad school because i didn't want to go into my career full-on with issues that i didn't process or i didn't deal with so i did see a therapist therapist see therapist that's it's, it's important because we need an outlet as well and you don't want to carry on issues into your client's lives or you don't want your client's problems to start affecting you or start triggering you so i definitely got therapy i definitely practice yoga i definitely practice mindfulness and meditation i think that you can do those things on your own and they actually help and being in control of your breathing understanding your breathing is so important so those are a lot of the things that i can say that i do to this day i did it this morning so right I think that those are really helpful. And not only like depression is a big one that we see, but anxiety as anxiety. well. And I believe that coming out of the pandemic, it's so hard for um, college students, high school students, elementary students to connect the ways that they used to connect. I think that um, understanding yourself and actually doing mindfulness, meditation and relaxation skills will help you engage more into like social engagements and just reconnecting with people. And also understanding, like, I think when you get, when you buy into the journey of life, like, everything you come across ain't supposed to be easy or fun. You know what I'm saying? Like, speaking on anxiety, I'm, uh, well, I thought I was an extrovert. For the longest, social butterfly, can speak to anybody, slick, cool, all that. So anxiety hit me in the form of social anxiety, and I was just home the whole time. This was um, was probably like 10 years ago. But it was okay, you know, because I had lost my job. So I'm just home. I'm working on all the stuff I was working on. And I didn't know I had social anxiety until I started to try to leave the house again. And I would physically, I get places where, like, I get so nervous, I just be physically throwing up. And then that made me not want to eat. And then I lost, like, 40 pounds just because I would only, I think it's safe to say, I, I, I would only eat if I smoked or if I was home comfortable. But I cannot eat in any other setting that I feel like uh, would jeopardize my emotions. Because I'll get all worked up and then I would throw up again. So that was a battle in itself because being so used to being with people all the time and not just that, them expecting you to always be the life of the party right. and this and that, that one took work. 
You know, if it yeah. was just the physical symptoms or just the depression, I don't think it would have been as hard. You know, so um, I want to speak more to social anxiety because I know it's a lot of introverted people. Yeah. And how would someone deal with that on a campus, especially a campus like this? This is unique because I'm pretty sure most people here are transplant. You yeah. know what I'm saying? They moved here from another place. They may not know more than 10 people you know, from the day they moved here. So dealing with social anxiety or being introverted on a campus like this has to be tougher. Like what would be some maybe techniques or advice you would give? Um, first, I would like to say that just acknowledging and try to have a lot of self-awareness mm -hmm. because once you understand what you're going through, it helps you move forward. And I think to practice positive coping skills, um, if I am being honest, a lot of uh, a lot of young adults around this age group, they use uh, weed as a coping skill, which is a negative coping skill if you're not doing it for recre recreation and you're doing it for as a coping skill yeah. that is negative. And they use yeah. sex as a coping skill as well. And people don't realize that they're very sexually active, but they're just they're using sex to cope with what they're really dealing with. And so I think that it's important to realize what I, what I'm doing right now is this healthy or is it unhealthy? So self awareness is first, and then I think second, practicing positive coping skills, um, the deep breathing. I think that um, and challenging yourself to uh, reframe negative thinking. That's very important when it comes to anxiety. Challenging those thoughts, reframing those negative thoughts are so important. So if you say, "Oh, people are going to judge me," everybody's going to be looking at me. You have to challenge yourself and say. Um, people might look at me, but they're not thinking about me. You know, I know I'm good. I'm confident. Right. I am who I am. So that is very important for people at this age when they experience social anxiety and challenge yourself to do take small steps. Don't go to a, the, a big party, go to the library or go and talk to a study, a study buddy or something like that. Take small steps. And I think that, um, Really reaching out to somebody who supports you is, is, a, is a good step and a good way to manage social, social anxiety. And I think right now it's a tough time with social anxiety because mm -hmm. the pandemic really restricted social engagements and social activities. I think that if you um, are now back reconnecting with people, just take it one step at a time. Be gentle with yourself. Don't put pressure on yourself. Don't rush yourself. Like you said, you don't have to be the life of the party. Just go to the party. Just show up. Let right. that be step one. Then speak to one person. So just, you know, take it step by step. Use positive coping skills and always be self-aware. And I think taking care of yourself helps too. Right. If you um, are not a well-rested person, you're going to be ag aggravated. It's going to be easy for you to be anxious. So getting the proper sleep, eating the proper food, and really practicing self-care helps as well. So we spoke on introverts. I would also like to speak on being an extrovert and understanding that you have to take time to yourself. You have to sometimes just go into your own cave and figure things out because you got a lot of things coming at you at one time, situations, relationships, school, and you're not the type of person that probably has enough time to self-reflect because you're never by yourself. Can we speak on just how can you coach um, someone up on just learning how to self-reflect and um, I guess engage with themselves and see what's going on with them, taking a break from things? I think, number one, um, I'm very extroverted. Mm -hmm. um, but as I grew into who I am, I learned that um, I do need time for myself. Mm -hmm. And it's exhausting 
always being so social it is very exhausting um i think that self-care is so important mm -hmm. taking time for yourself to reflect on your life where you are your goals your day is so important and just having a space for your for yourself and for your own mental health and um i think like like um it was mentioned earlier um during the pandemic people who are um extroverts they did have a lot they had difficulty you know just being not being social i think that um getting back to whatever we call normal um it will take time and i think just like we talked about introverts and we talked about social anxiety take small steps be gentle with yourself understand yourself i think self-awareness is the key if we can understand what we're going through or what we're dealing with it's easier to fix it's easier to communicate those those emotions those feelings our mental health is so important and it controls the way we think the way we act, the way we feel. So you have to really tap into yourself, understand yourself, take time for yourself, and practice self-care. I am a big, uh, I, I promote that so much. Like, you need to do self-care. I don't care if you're an introvert or you're an extrovert. You need to take time for yourself because tapping into who you are and what, what, what place you are at or your mindset or just reflecting on your day is so important. All right, so... How does it feel being a therapist with all these tools and you got all these complex friends and your mind can go in work mode and you always you can be always diagnosing people or treating them as patients? How do you separate the two? You are speaking to my life right now. OK, <laughs> you are. Um, honestly speaking, um, I had to learn to separate. And once I started separating, it became it, it's better for me because I need to put boundaries up with my friends and family as well. Because just because I'm a therapist when I'm at home, I want to be my, I just want to be Tamika. And I have to tell my boyfriend as well. He's like, a therapist shouldn't say that. A therapist shouldn't post that on Instagram. And I'm like, this is, this is my, my normal Instagram. This is just me, my normal life. If you want to, you know, look at my therapist's life, go to my therapist's Instagram. But, um, I had to put boundaries with family members and friends too. always asking for advice or one in a free session. It's like, no, I, I have to pay for this degree. I, I need, I need to get paid right. so I could refer you to somebody. Mm -hmm. But I used to engage with my friends and help out with their anxiety and depression. And I would sit on the phone and do mindfulness with them or get on FaceTime and do some meditation with them. But I had to draw the line because my job is hard enough and I'm pouring into other people, I don't want to do that at home. So what, what I've done now is allow myself to put boundaries up with friends and family and refer them to other people. And I just want to be Tamika when I'm with my friends and family. But I can't say that I do overanalyze things and I do diagnose people a lot. That's just who I am. It's just a natural part of me. But I've learned to not speak on it. If I feel like you're showing signs of schizophrenia, I'm not going to say anything right. if I'm not in a work setting. Right. I'll keep it to myself. But if I do see someone that needs help, of course, I'm going to dive in if I'm not at work and, you know, provide my expertise or, you know, make a referral. Yep. And it, it is tough being probably even before you're a therapist, the strong friend, people come to you and they pour into you. But when you look at life more of a, on a spiritual level or, you know, if people who are into energies, it's a lot to I carry am. a lot of mm -hmm. negative. And I didn't understand that until I got more into it because everybody needs your help and your advice until you could physically start feeling like, man, this is a lot on me to yeah. the point where it's like, is it even important? You should ask, is it okay for me to unload 
oh on God. you. And you and I think a lot of people, um, in our cases, uh a slight little bit of narcissism you got to have to make it. <laughs> we always reflect with something that we can relate to yeah so if it's a situation you need to say hey i just need to vent yeah you know because it's not on the person who's trying to help you to know that you didn't want to hear about them if you ask them for help right so even addressing the way like you know what kind of help you know you might just hey i'm having a bad day let, let me just let it out and i might be wrong so i don't want to hear that i was wrong in the situation just hear me, let me get it off, and we'll fix it in a couple of days. But right. You're just a, you're approaching to a therapist. Uh, I think the last question, since you have all these newfound powers, <laughs> what has been your hardest situation to diagnose? I want to say just from work or watching something with a family member. Oh, you mean like me diagnosing a family member? And, and seeing it unfold and can't deal with it as a professional because there's too much love involved um should i have a moment of transparency um this is a, a big one for me um i do have so drug addiction is considered a mental a mental health issue it's considered like a mental illness and i have a family member that abuses drugs and um it's very hard for me because in the beginning before i was in my 30s i used to try to do I mean, coaching, therapy, everything. And it's exhausting for me. So I had to take a step back and um, just allow myself to love that person and show them love and support and not be a therapist in their life. And that's a tough place to be because you know you have the tools. I help people with this every single day. Why can't I help you? That's a very, that's a tough position to be in. And it was, it's very tough for me currently to deal with that. But I had to learn my place and learn that I, all I can do is love and support you. I am not your therapist. And I don't want you to think that I'm here to work on you. I want it, I'm here to love and support you. Yeah, um, I have a friend and, and he, he finds it funny because sometimes I can be so fiery on my stance on certain things. But when we talk about it, even talking about the person I might be in opposition with, I can still relate to the human side that may have caused them to be where they, they ended up to be. Like, example, if someone is racist, you know, I don't like that. It bothers me, whatever, how I'm going to feel, however I feel about it in that moment. But at the end of the day, you got to realize these things are taught to people. Mm -hmm. You get what I'm saying? A lot of times from a place of hurt mm -hmm. and all that. And that doesn't mean you have to go shake their hand and you got to be... Um, friends and family after that but it's just also understanding like yo you ain't perfect either right you get what i'm saying like who are you to judge somebody on the now protect yourself um try to teach make things right but always start when every time you deal with a person is this is a human that's flawed something happened along the way something happened to all of us along the way whether it's you know who knows this could be a number of things right and those things usually um snowball down into bigger problems the problems that we see facing and we only attach them to that problem. Right. Oh, my boss is a jerk. Your boss is a jerk for a lot of other reasons. Right. And if you can observe that, he'll still be a jerk, but you can deal with him a little better instead of taking things so personal. Yeah, I agree. Is it anything that you would want to tell, uh, you know, just the viewers, everybody, you know, some people say they can't afford it. Some people say that, you know, they have their stances on it, but what, personal practices if you can just give maybe one or two examples and it could be meditation go deeper into that on how to just take better care of yourself where to start um 
most importantly, get sleep. Sleep is the most important part of your mental health. Four and three hours, they say that's all we need, but that's not true. In order to be a functioning human, get sleep and really, really take care of your diet, how you eat. That is important. You are what you eat. You put trash into your body, you're going to feel like trash, and it's going to affect your mental health. One thing always leads to the, to the next, trust me. Um, I would say meditation. If you, if you, some people have difficulty meditating, mindfulness is an easier practice, which allows you just to be present where you are and to focus on whatever's going on in the room. If you have a pen in your hand, focusing on that pen just for 10 minutes. So if you have a hard time doing meditation, try to practice mindfulness, just being present where you are. That is a very helpful tip. And um, always practice self-care. And self-care doesn't only mean journaling or um or talking to a therapist, self-care can be eating your favorite ice cream today because you had a bad day, or talking to your favorite person or watching your favorite movie after having a, a hard day. And always just tap into the resources that are available to you. Most universities have free counseling for students, so that is important. Tap into those resources that are available to you for free, because if you don't, Start working on those things now and you get into the real world where you don't have free resources. You're going to have to pay for therapy and it's not cheap. So um, just speaking on the mindfulness before we get out, my example that I've stumbled across lately is I wake up um, early in the morning. And I'm, you know, when you have all these thoughts and you're one of these people who have all these that you, you tend to be a little neurotic. And um, for me, what's worked like a charm, honestly, is waking up in the morning and starting to clean. And because, you know, you have to clean with both hands, can't use your phone. And I think after the first like 30 minutes and I start rolling into it and I see the rest of my day falls in line perfectly because I have I do great with meditation when I'm in it. But um, it's too chaotic. It's like my mind fights me on going to that quiet place. Yeah. So this actually even helps me go into meditation because I'm already quieting, quieting the mind down and then I can roll into meditation. So. Um, you know, it's, there's different tools. Find them. Um, tell them where to find you. So you can find me on Instagram. Um, my Instagram is Tamika, the therapist. That's my Instagram. Um, it's T-A-M-I-K-A, the T-H-E, therapist. Um, also, you can find me on Psychology Today. Um, my name is spelled T-A-M-I-K-A. My last name is D-E-N-S-O-N. And you can also find me at ESS Growth G R O W T H dot com. That's our website. And you can find me on Twitter on at R A N S O O O underscore A K. Uh, or you can find me on Instagram R A N S O underscore A K. And Stay tuned for the show. I think we're going to be doing this a couple more times for the rest of the year. So, you know, the people who want to be involved, let me know. Y'all got questions. Y'all got topics y'all want to talk about. Let me know ahead of time. Don't find me on Twitter, please. Find me on, <laughs> find me on Twitter. I am myself on Twitter. Do not find me on Twitter. Yeah, find me. I'm having fun. <laughs> but, all right. Thank you. Thank you. all